This episode is brought to you by Mr. Andersonville himself, Olin Ergel, a local real estate advisor with App Properties. If you're looking for an honest and experienced advisor who knows and loves this neighborhood, Olin is the one to contact. Visit MrAndersonville.com to learn more about Olin and connect with him for an initial real estate consultation. Also during this month, follow him on Instagram at Mr.Andersonville and be entered into a raffle for a new Nest thermostat. Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Joelle. And I'm Kaylee. Today, we are joined by Jacques Gorgachan of Wholehearted Psychotherapy. Jacques is a licensed professional counselor who is interested in helping couples struggling with issues of trust, whether it be affairs, alcoholism, behavioral addictions, or estrangement. No matter how down you might feel, Wholehearted believes that each person has certain inherent strengths and that identifying and building on those strengths fortifies you emotionally and leads to sustainable change. Welcome, Jacques. Uh, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. I'm very good. It's a decent day. We want to get outside before it gets really cold. Not where I am. It's snowing like crazy at the moment. <laughs> well, maybe not then. <laughs> where are you at currently? I'm in uh, western Michigan. Oh, yeah. 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 But it's very beautiful, hanging on the trees. Yeah, that's kind of like yesterday around here. All of a sudden, it just got super heavy again. But good excuse to to go outside and bundle up and and build yeah. a snow fort <laughs> or whatever you do. <laughs> right. Well, I want to start off by just asking um, a little bit about your background and how you became interested in your current field of work. Yes, it's kind of interesting. I um, I had a wonderful and long career as a city planner and um, <clears throat> worked as a city planner for over 35 years, had my own firm, worked all over the country, uh, really enjoyed being a city planner. Um, and then in about the year 2003 or so, I was asked to do a plan for the city of Kansas City, Missouri. And that, it was a plan that was very unusual it didn't have any drawings in it. It didn't deal with any streets or pipes. It only dealt with people. And it dealt with things like job training, physical health, mental health, um, public safety, education, things of that nature. So the city of Kansas City wanted to address what people needed as well as what the <clears throat> physical structure and framework of the city would be. Um, uh, they asked my firm to do that, and we didn't know what it was. We had no idea, never been asked that before. So we made it up along the way. And along the way, really got interested in public mental health. And, um, and it really uh, kind of spurred my interest in the whole subject matter. And, uh, you know, 12 years later, I are one. As it, or as it goes. Yeah. So I went back to graduate school in, uh, it must have been 2013, something like that. And I uh, got a, another master's degree in counseling at the Illinois School of Professional Psychology. Now I've worked with men for 35 years in through a program called Victories for Men. Uh, that is, um, has at least one other Andersonville you know, a member that I know of, but per perhaps others. 
And um, <clears throat> I've been involved with that group for since 1986. And, um, and that also propelled me into this new profession. So after graduating uh, from the Illinois School and doing my internship, passing a bunch of exams, I am, became licensed as a professional counselor in Illinois and, uh, and formed my psychotherapy practice called Wholehearted Psychotherapy. And when did you officially open the clinic? I think uh, in, in 2015, I think it was 2015. Yeah, Jay and I opened it. So your business partner, Jay Carrant, specializes in social work, correct? Well, no, he's a, he's a licensed clinical social worker. So okay. he's a psychotherapist as well. Got it. But I've known Jay for a long time, and he spent many, many years in the Maine Township High School program and was a school counselor for many years. And uh, he retired from that, and he continues to do uh, clinical psychotherapy through wholehearted. And um, we have a wonderful relationship. How did that conversation come about? You had graduated. Did you have the idea to open the clinic and you approached him? Or was it sort of a joint conversation? Is there a story behind the decision to, to go into business together? Well, I had been a businessman. And, and uh, <clears throat> so I think it was probably my idea. Let's, let's do this together. I also at that time needed to have a supervisor. And since he's been licensed for 35 years or more now, um, he could play that role for me as well. So what made you choose Andersonville as a location for your clinic? I live in Andersonville. And um, the clinic is in my building on Farragut. And uh, we have beautiful offices there. And I just love the neighborhood. Um, it's a great neighborhood, very diverse. My clientele is very diverse. and. Um, I think it's a great place to live and work, as is your motto, as I believe. You're very correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's on the north sign uh, as you enter the neighborhood in Victoria. It's funny right. because even since I've been here, I feel like our mottos sort of like morphed a bit. I started in um, February of 2016. And when I started, I think it was a small town in a big city or something like that also. And now we kind of refer back to the shop local capital of Chicago. There's quite a few. I feel yeah, like yeah. Andersonville is known for its like little yeah. mottos too of this tight knit community for sure. We call the Clark Street Strip uh, the village. And how long have you been a resident here, Jacques? Oh, geez, since um, yeah, since three weeks after my youngest graduated from high school. <laughs> which <laughs> um, about 13 years now. Yeah, it's always fascinating to us when we have guests on here who are also long-term residents. Um, the stories they tell about like just how much the district has turned over and different parts you used to not go as much but are super populated now. It's really always really a fun part to kind of hear. Do you have a favorite business that once was on Clark Street but is no longer that you like to reminisce about? Well, I miss the Swedish Dalek Dustin, who was the, the mayor of Andersonville, he's called. I forgot his name now. Kurt Matthiessen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. 
I also like uh, Cos Hardware. Is that the name? Hardware store that just went out of business. Yeah, Cass. Yep, uh, they were yeah. there for so long. Cass, I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. You're sad were. about that for sure. Yeah, but things change. Things do change. So, Jacques, do you work more with children, adults, or families? And which type of situation piques your interest the most, or which type of clientele? Well, I work with <clears throat> adults and couples. Sometimes family depends on who's using the word. Families will include couples, but I um, basically I work with adults and couples. I also volunteer at an alternative high school, and have done that for six years in Cicero. Uh, alternative high schools are schools that or kids have been thrown out of the regular high school for creative misbehavior of some kind, and um, and they. They need a lot of help. So um, I haven't been able to do that this year because the school isn't open. So, but I I was thinking of uh, approaching the principal at, at uh, STEM and uh, seeing if they might be interested in setting that same kind of program up. Program I've worked with for seven years now is pretty well established in. Uh, so you are planning. So I do. I do work with adolescents, but that's pretty reserved to the volunteer work I do at that high school. My clients are all adults, male and female, and couples of all varieties. On your website, you mentioned that writing, drawing, and music are an important adjunct to talk therapy. Yes. Which method has proven to work best for you when connecting with a client, whether it's an adult, couple? Well, I think, yeah, I think music is more, is easier to deal with in that setting and usually with uh, individuals. Because, you know, you're dealing with a couple, they may have different tastes in music and can't do that kind of thing. But, but what music does is it, it opens emotions and as all art does. And especially for men, men who have closed, are closed up emotionally. It, it becomes easier to connect to their emotions when they hear music that they recall from when they were 18 years old or, you know, 16 years old or something like that. And uh, my partner, Jay Carrot, is, knows so much about music, it astounds me. I mean, he can, he can, he'll hear a recording uh, from 1968 and he'll tell you who the members of the band are, what their names are. It's just amazing. And so he's gotten me into use, the use of music in, in our work. And this is actually one of our questions later on, but do you have a particular favorite genre of music that you tend to lean toward just for yourself and keeping yourself in a good mental health state? Hmm. Well, today I was listening to Bill Evans on the piano. I do like jazz and I like soft uh, piano jazz. Um, and I find it very relaxing and can get into a meditative state with that music. But I like a wide variety of music as well. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned on another episode recently, but um, we, our daughter's recently like been really fascinated with our record player, our vinyl. Uh, so she just, and of course, like we don't, we don't have an extension, extensive collection of vinyl, but one of her favorites is the Miles Davis album trumpet jazz because my husband played the trumpet so she just okay. does it. Yeah, yeah she gets into it i'm like hey you do you like 
we'll put the jazz on. We'll put the, we had Marvin Gaye on the other day. I'm like, go ahead. <laughs> but now she knows, like she points to it. So hello to the grapevine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, awesome. So, you know, winter is typically this really hard sort of season for people mentally anyway. And yeah. then you add on COVID on top of that. Do you have any tips on maintaining a healthy and balanced mental health state during the winter, but particularly during this COVID time for folks? Well, there's a, a fairly new term in, in psychology called mindfulness. You may have heard of that. And it includes a lot of things like meditation, deep breathing, you can do mindful walking, you know. And I, I think that we all need to slow down and we're, you know, the whole pandemic thing does generate a lot of anxiety. And so it just, you know, we have to take the long view. Hey, this is going to be over. In the meantime, I've got this opportunity to be with my family or the opportunity to try new things. And um, to practice mindfulness is, is a way to do that, even if it's only 10 minutes a day. It's, uh, a very useful thing. The other thing is to is to tackle new skills. Uh, for example, I have picked up uh, acrylic painting, and you know I'm no good, but it it um, really focuses me. It kind of reminds me of downhill skiing, which I can't do anymore because of my age, but I loved it. And when you're at the top of a mountain, you start to go down. Nothing else is in your mind. The only thing is I got to survive this mountain getting down. And I find that uh, trying to do a, a painting or drawing or something focuses my mind that way. Everything else falls away. And for 20 minutes or a half an hour or 45 minutes, I'm totally engrossed in that one thing. And I just completely energized after doing that. I, I just think people ought to take up things like that, you know, and they, they can't go out on Saturdays or Sundays and, you know, um, so tackle new stuff is what I'm suggesting. Do you have a favorite genre that you're kind of painting with these acrylics? Oh, landscapes, usually, because I have a lot of photographs of landscapes. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, so my wife and I have been doing that together and it's, it's oh, wow. very fun. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I um, found myself in a similar situation of like, I just need something new to work on, especially like after all the screen time, right? With like Zoom and computer. And um, so I ordered an embroidery kit <laughs> online. There you go. We'll see how it goes. I um, learned cross stitch when I was really, really young with my aunt, but I haven't, I haven't kept up cross stitch or anything like that. And I've, knit and done all that so I'm like okay let's just try something like embroidery I also have a macrame kit that I've had for like two years that maybe we'll dig into as well um my Kaylee, wife is my wife is in the other room embroidering right now she, cool you should tell her yeah maybe she has some tips <laughs> <laughs> she she did the same thing ordered a couple of kits she finds that very relaxing did you pick up any side hobbies, Kaylee, during? Uh, yes, I did, actually. I mean, I've always done art growing up, um, but I had to quarantine when I came to Chicago for two weeks. And I said, OK, I'm going to do something um, that involves me being creative because I'm like you where it like it just makes me kind of go into another world. And I painted uh, Hawaiian sunset and ocean on the back of my ukulele. 
just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow we just learned so much about you in like one sentence and you play the ukulele i guess too awesome i dabble it's, you not, dabble. Well, it's not that good but <laughs> yeah it's really fun well kind of moving in a different direction um i do want to ask if you wouldn't mind answering how how would you approach a session with a frustrated or angry client what do you look for in terms of progress do you recommend um some of those mindfulness moments or how does that work oh yes yeah mindfulness is, is good well the thing about someone who's frustrated and angry or you know can't control their anger anger is something we all have we all get angry right it's what you do with the anger that counts um some people many people repress their anger right they just press it down inside of them they don't express it or anything that can come back as depression you can put you can repress it but it'll come back somehow you know and it usually will be much more difficult to deal with than the anger if you can express your anger without blowing up the other thing about anger is that underneath every anger there's a need or desire that the person who's angry can't can't be in touch with for some reason or is afraid to bring it up and so they get angry but under every anger there's a desire or need and the question is how do we open that person consciousness up to what they're really looking for yeah and um I think it, how you can tell progress is if they can get those insights into what it is that's making them angry. What are they not getting? What it, you know, you know, it could be just not being heard. You know, if you really think about how many people feel really heard by their intimate partners. And um, since I work with couples, I find that to be one of the biggest issues that couples had. They really, they don't know it, but they're not being heard by the other one. And so the anger comes flashing out. And um, so that's how you tell progress, slow and steady. <laughs> Communication is everything I've learned. That's right. Communication is everything. And especially when you're in close quarters, again, because of all the situation we're in, I feel like yeah. it's more likely to happen in these small spaces more frequently when we're all working together from home. So um, yeah. I really appreciate that answer too, because it is a good reminder to kind of like, take a step back and reassess and kind of try to um, self-actualize why we're feeling certain ways at certain times during the week or the day or yeah, yeah. Yeah, the um, thing about communications is that it's also very safe. It's safe to say to a couple, say, well, what's the problem with your marriage? And they'll say communication because that's safe. There are a lot of other issues in a couple's relationship that are not safe. And so it takes a while to unpack those. So while communication is a big thing, it's also, you know, can be a uh, substitute for what's really going on. And uh, we have to watch out for those things as well. Definitely involves a lot of patience, I'm sure, on your end and theirs. Um, it's really cool that you do that and help the way you do. Um, I admire that a lot. Uh, and after looking into some about 
some of the things that are about you on your website. Um, I saw that you spent some time studying under Dr. John Gottman. Um, he's the foremost leader and researcher in marriage, couples, and relationships. What experience or learning lesson has stuck with you during all of your years of practice? Well, Gottman is a researcher and a good one, and um, not shy about telling you that. But um, but he's a very nice, very nice man. I've met him a few times. He has uh, certain findings over uh, his forty years of research. You know, my age now. But he talks about the four horsemen, and he will, through his research, can tell you with ninety-one percent accuracy whether a marriage will survive or not based on the occurrence or lack of four different things, which he calls, you know, uses the four horsemen of the apocalypse. If you do any of these four things, forget it. You're not going to, your marriage won't survive. And those are extensive criticism of your partner, constant criticism, contempt, which can, I think is the most damaging. Contempt can be rolling your eyes up like, Contempt is an attack on someone's character. Criticism could be an attack on someone's behavior. They're they're different. But if you roll your eyes up at somebody, you're really saying, oh, she's so stupid. You know, that's a character attack. The third one is defensiveness. When you're being defensive, you cannot listen. And when you can't listen, the other person doesn't feel heard. Actually, listening is a real skill. People need to learn. And the fourth one is stonewalling. Stonewalling is usually a male problem, but not always. And stonewalling means walking out of the room, walking out of the house, zoning in on television, not paying attention. And if you know any of those four things happen, you're in real trouble. And it's usually the first lecture I will give a couple on the first thing. You know. If you aren't willing to give up those things, or if you do any of those things, you're not willing to give them up, you're wasting your time doing marriage counseling, wasting your time and and money. So there you go. Have you ever had anybody respond and walk out at that point? Or do people seem most kind of shocked by hearing those Uh, four? Yeah, people will hang in there for a couple of sessions, the ones that are not going to stay. A lot of people wait way too long to enter couples counseling so they really are coming for divorce counseling yeah and that's sad in and of itself too it is probably for you yeah so i like to give engaged couples counseling because nobody ever teaches any of us how to be married to someone else yeah you didn't yeah ever get any lessons before you got married joe no no, well, I had to go through, so I got married in the Catholic Church, so we went through Precana, which was, oh, yeah. you know, like a <laughs> different kind of counseling, but we did do it online, so that was sort of not traditional, um, it was just sort of an option we had to do yeah. because of our long distance situation, but um, but in a way, yeah, I could see how uh, counseling for engagement would be useful just for pretty much everybody, yeah. so... Yeah, and also, I mean, people just have, I think people are accepting counseling more 
I think the uh, when people are having trouble, they do come to counseling. A lot of them come before it's too late. Yeah, and I feel, um, I know we've touched a lot on um, different types of therapies that you do, couples therapy, music therapy for those adults who need it. If you could pinpoint, do you feel like there are certain primary causes in today's society that are causing mental health issues or or amplifying them? I know that's kind of a hard question or there's not really probably one succinct answer. Yeah, there's not. There's not one. There are forces in our society that work against having a balanced life and, and having a balanced life contributes to our mental health. For example, um, the pressure in the workforce to work, you know, 50 hours a week or something like that cuts into the family life of the family horribly and creates a lot of resentment that can build up over the years and, and create a, a marriage problem, you know, which you know, hurts everybody in the family, both the, the two adults and if they have kids, the kids as well. But that pressure is unrelenting, you know, so I mean, to, even for young professionals, for example, you know, young lawyers working 70 hours a week. You know, that's crazy. You know, that's crazy. And people who aren't getting paid a minimum wage or just making a minimum wage, I mean, that's not good for your mental health either. There are people in the city that don't know where, the, where their meal is going to come from the next day. Um, and that's true all over the world. Though. Those kinds of issues in our, in our hepped up society don't, don't help either. I think with the adolescent kids, I think that video games are, are killing them, a lot of them. When I worked with the adolescents at uh, the Alternative High School, any video game, you know, the, it's a, teenagers can get addicted to them, just like they can get addicted to all kinds of substances or whatever, behaviors. And a lot of the kids at the Alternative High School would play video games till three or four in the morning, get up at seven, come to school and sleep all day. And, you know, that's not very inducive to learning anything, if you can imagine. And, um, and I rail against that kind of stuff, but um, I think it's here to stay for now. I mean, that's uh, new technology. And, you know, you've all heard about teenage girls who get trapped into uh, being bullied on the internet and stuff like that. Those are also societal issues, you know, that didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago. So those are all challenges in our society. There are many others. Yeah, definitely. Um, my little brother, uh, he plays video games way too much. Um, and I try and get him away from it, but I don't know. He started a basketball now, so at least he's doing something that's not on a screen. Um, yeah which I'm really thankful to see. And I mean, I grew up um, with the rise in social media and I saw all of the issues and damages that um, comments caused and free speech. It's a good thing, but it can also harm people. So yeah, just in, it's important yeah. to um, think about what you're saying to a person because there is somebody on the other side of the screen as hard as that is to imagine sometimes. Um, so that was my two cents, sorry. <laughs> um, okay. I do want to ask 
Um, if you can think of any advice, do you have any for any going into the field of counseling and therapy, um, especially in today's society? Are you talking about people who are thinking of becoming a therapist or people? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, you have to like people. You have to really enjoy being close to people because the relationship, the therapeutic relationship between a therapist and a, his client or her client is a very close one. And it's not something that begins and ends at the hour that the session occurs. And the other thing is that you have, the therapist has to find something to like about every client or they should not be his client. Now, I've had clients that I really had to search for something I liked about, you know, them. And, um, and so if you, if you don't like being with people, it's not the job for you. You have to really like people and you have to like learning because it's a constant learning, constant. After you get your license, that isn't the end of your learning. You've got to keep, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. I, for example, in them two study groups with other therapists too, you know, are trying to do the same thing, get continually better at things. We use supervision to get really thorny problems. Two heads are better than one. That's, you know, that's also an important thing. And um, the reality is you have to work evenings and weekends. That's part of the job. Unless you're dealing with very wealthy people who don't have to work, people have jobs and it can't very hard to do therapy in the middle of a work day. So you have to do it on your free time. It's easier now with the pandemic because everybody, a lot of people are working from home. It's a very satisfying profession as well. It makes, certainly makes me feel very good when I see someone improve and grow. And uh, it's very, very hard to say goodbye to people when they're, you know, they feel it's time to move on. It's, it's a very intimate kind of work. And I, you know, as a city planner, I used to work on the scale of one to a million. Yeah, and now I'm working on a scale of one to one. And uh, so it's giving me a good perspective too. Totally different career in a way. So I feel like this is a good question. We usually go in near the end here to rapid fire questions for you, if you're ready. So because that is such a strenuous job, right? Because you're observing a lot of people's emotions. What is the best way that you unplug, uncharge, or de-stress after your work day? And I know we covered painting, but I'm wondering if you have another answer. I cook. I love to cook. And I find it uh, it's very relaxing. And you get, you know, you get a uh, positive feedback right away. Do you have a favorite dish that you like to prepare or uh, uh, genre of dishes? I grew up in a French restaurant, so I have a a wide variety of French dishes that I can do. <laughs> what? I mean, that we should talk about too. You grew up in a French restaurant. That's incredible. Um, favorite yeah. recipe that you took from that experience? Were your parents owners there or how did yeah, that happen? They were, yeah. When I was a teenager, I never ate so well in my life before or since. <laughs> Are your parents from France? My father was from France. That explains your name. That explains my name. That's right. I worked in a French restaurant for three months. 
only three months when I first moved to Chicago, actually. Uh-huh. And yeah. I was the barista in the kitchen. It wasn't even a nice, like fancy out in the public view barista position. <laughs> but I uh, worked that job for a couple of months before um, getting full-time uh, work at the theater I was interning for. So, but I do appreciate it. I mean, French cuisine's amazing and there's a lot of work that goes into it. And I'm sure you could all make us some delectable French onion soup is sort of a soft spot for me, but. So our next question, I guess I could kind of like tweak it a little bit. Um, I was gonna ask what your favorite spot in Andersonville is, but I'm gonna ask what your favorite restaurant Andersonville is. I don't know if I have just one. Uh, I love Svea. It's right up the end of my street. So we love going, going there for breakfast. I love uh, Hopleaf. I think it's very good. I think Antifrima is very good. I hate to leave out Vincent. Yeah, they're also, and I know Kaylee has yet to try all of these. She just uh, arrived yeah. here, like we said yeah. last week. But, and of course, right now it's a little tricky, but um, I know Svea is participating in our restaurant week coming up. So that's good information for everyone. So you can order some Svea to go during restaurant week in March. Well, I'm glad to know they're open. Yeah. 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 And I do believe uh, Scott's starting probably limited capacity seating in there again soon, which is good news as well. Um, all right, next rapid fire is um, who or what in your life inspires you the most? If you can pick one or two. My wife, Prudy. That's so sweet. And, and what is it about her that you find so inspiring? How long have you all been married? Uh, 20 years now. She's brilliant. She's the smartest person I ever met in my life. The things that she does and the things that she's accomplished in her life are amazing to me and keep me going. Is her brilliance what drew you to her in the first place? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I've always been attracted to very intelligent women. Well, I hope she listens to this episode and knows how much... Uh accolades she tossed you she can probably hear you in the other room during her embroidering there right right right, right. one of the things <laughs> one of the things Gottman Gottman tells us is that a really masterful marriage you have to have 20 positive interactions for each negative one 20 to one if she heard me that's just that's worth one positive yep. interaction. <laughs> that's awesome well Thank you so much, Doc. This has been such a really great conversation and getting to know you and uh, what you do a little bit better. And we hope everyone feels, I know Kaylee and I were saying when you disappeared for a second, like we feel like we just had a little bit of a, a cleansing therapy session in and of ourselves. So even that, I hope folks take away. Um, where can people look you up? Where can they look up wholehearted um, online or what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, I'm online. Through, I have a website. Wholehearted has a website. I'm sure you looked at it. And um, I'm listed on Psychology Today. You can find me or they can call me up. 312-203-9211. I was so hoping you would do that. Yeah, we'll definitely list your phone number in the show notes as well. Um, but as Jacques said, you can find more information about the clinic at wholeheartedtherapy.net. And for show notes on today's episode, you can visit andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership, and if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.